We're going to be talking about career. Of course, today is the 14th of February. We are going to be talking about relationships. And finally, we're going to be talking about addictions. We'll start with career. Again, I'll entreat us. It's, you have no idea what's coming to hit you. Get your questions ready. Of course, we do have your questions from the forms that were sent. And I would like you to take notes from experiences that will share the scriptures that the Holy Spirit will lay on their hearts. Just open up your mind and relax. You can invite a friend. It's never late for them to attend. Okay. Um, I'll start with Mami Gezi, if you don't mind. And we'll be starting on career. Um, we have fourth years and level hundreds in our midst today. Um, because of the double track system. Fourth years are preparing to leave campus. And they're preparing to leave school. And the first years, they just came. They're excited. <laughs> We're excited. We want to know what university life is about. And my first question that I would like you to address is on career. What do you even consider when it comes to career? From, let's be specific for the level 400s, when it comes to our national service. What should we be expecting? What should we consider? And for our level 100s who have started many beautiful courses, what should they be looking forward to? If you can help us. Hello. Can you hear me? I am not feeling you. Can you hear me? Good. So um, for the purposes of the season we are in, I'd like you to smile back to me with your eyes. Your eyes are the center of your life. So if you're smiling, I should see it through your eyes. So good evening to all of you. Um, it's really exciting every time to engage with you. I bring you special greetings from your campus pastor, Reverend Stephen Wengham. And um, I know that you have extended your happy anniversary greetings in absentia. Your president was there today. So it was, it was really nice. Um, this morning, we have spent our Valentine revisiting their lives over 20 years. And the conversation about career on Val's Day looks a bit queer. <laughs> but I guess that the intertwining nature of your lives are such that you can't talk about your love relationship, your, your addictions, and not talk about career. That's what's going to happen at some point in your lives. It you're going to spend an average of five to six hours in bed, sleeping after the 24 hours. And you're going to be spending close to 10 hours in a place called an office, work, whatever the location is, applying a certain trade. Forget it. You could be in suit, you could be in apron, you could be in, you know, some work gears. You're just applying a trade. And averagely, if you were living, if you're going to be living in Accra and you're going to be playing the most traffic-prone areas, you could be doing between 12 to 13 hours. So when you think about that, you realize that your life plan should have started before you enter the university when it comes to your career. Now, the headlines for me is that a lot of you level hundreds will complete level four. And get yourselves into things that you never thought you'd be doing. And a lot of you level 400s will live here with so much prospect and may have to take decisions that you never thought you would. Touch wood. Some of you might be home for 
self-employment. Um, if anybody gets into the conversation of self-employment, you might be getting into it. Three things for me, and I think I shared this during our business uh, meeting. Yes. You are in level 400. We are talking about career now. And you haven't figured out about three different ways of making a life. Then I think we are late. One of the things that you should be doing in is to plan every vacation for your final exam. So you should be planning your vacations from level 100. Even when you have two weeks vacation, plan it with intentionality. I understand you finish your end of semester exam and you're so tired. All you want to do is to go to bed. Just eat and sleep. You've missed mommy's food. You've missed your friends. You go chatting. And now with social media, ha, there's a lot to post. There's so much engagement online. I'm telling you, if you do not plan your vacations from level 100, you'll be in 400 and you'll be completely lost on what to do. So for level 100, plan Every single vacation, two weeks, three months, through whatever vacation period you have, plan it. If you send letters to officers like where I am, there's a very high likelihood that will say no to internship. It's a very high likelihood. I don't know about Mr. Reverend and Mrs., but a lot of businesses are not taking a lot of interns lately. But there's something you can do for yourself. If you found, for instance, that somebody who has started business, because all of you sitting here, in, immediately you hear internship. What comes to mind is Stanbeck, VRA, uh, what else? Nestle. Um, I have to go to Unilever because I want to do marketing. So that's why I can go and sell. And Guinness Ghana. That's, that's all you hear yourself. When you talk to yourself, that's all you hear. You dream of internship, that's what you hear. You're taking your internship letters and you're putting on all the big addresses. There are so many startup businesses. There are so many mid-range businesses. You probably haven't heard them. You sometimes don't even know what they do. They will be so happy to have somebody at the front desk, somebody in the accounts office managing receivables, they would be happy to have somebody doing their payables. They'll be happy to have somebody serving in the PR office. They'll be happy to have somebody working on their lab because maybe they are doing food and they need somebody who will bring on an analysis. You know, there are so many businesses now. But all you hear yourself are the big names. And I'm telling you today, and mark my words, a lot of the big places, unless they are organized, they won't take you. So plan your vacations and please consider Every avenue, not just the big names. Every avenue. Even a fashion house needs somebody called a PA, an accountant. Have you thought of offering such services? And have you thought about how very uncompetitive that environment could be? And you could be the champion. I said, why a local champion? I said, yes. Oh, we have a university graduate here. She's the, you know, the only university. Yeah. So you need to. You need to open up your opportunities. Don't be fixated on these, all these multinational things. If you get them, great, because there are good lessons there. That's my background. But please open up yourself to different things. Level 400. Last level, um, national service 
people um, that were out. I mean, I, I kept thinking about them because I sent a request to get three national service persons for my organization. And by the time they were bringing them, I had written to the national service secretariat that I don't need anybody. We were home. COVID had happened. There was nothing happening in the office. I was trying to, you know, make business happen for me to pay employees to think of national service persons. We didn't take them. And a lot of HR people on my pages were complaining that they couldn't take on the numbers. So don't be surprised that you 400 are going to go out into a world where there is a backlog of individuals who haven't done their national service already. A lot of them are out there. I don't know whether you are in touch with your immediate seniors who've just left. A lot of them wouldn't have had their national service by the time you, who are two years behind them, would enter the job market. So you must have something. And we spoke in detail about those things. You must have that something that will give you an edge over the next person. And that something is not a first class. I'm saying it for the hundredth time. It is not your class. It is your attitude. It is the soft things that we take for granted. It is the way you are appearing at work. I have sacked an intern who I was hoping to have because she damn is seriously intelligent. But before I could get to the sixth month, I would have probably left, um, lost all my research R&D guys. Um, my, we have an ad advertising agency in-house. Maybe the guys would have gone mad because they're all single young men. Uh, and sister would come and... You know, Kweku is here, he knows me. All of you who know me, I wear short things, but I mean, this is something very tight, short, the endless long legs, and she comes to work. And she's at the front desk, so she's going everywhere. I said, hey, hey madam, one day I'm as far as the gate, I was like, please, I asked her three questions. Reverend, I, I was looking at her, I said, please, did you come from home? She said, yeah, oh, 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 madam, that's why. I said, no, no, I'm just asking. She said, yes, please. And please, when you were leaving home, was mommy and daddy home? Oh, yes. Uh, please, do, did they know you were coming to work? She said, yes. Do you people know that she's been out of our organization for nine months? We had our strategy session at Labadi Beach in January. And her name came up. And all the people that I didn't know knew her, spoke about her. That is how you write your memo. Yes. By the way you dress. Okay. So, Ms. Gaisy, I'll, I'll come back to you. Mrs. Okay, so um, I want to ask you, you, you have been in LIC for a number, like a number of years. So people struggle with doing a course, and after school, they're like, I don't want this anymore, or I don't know if God, this is what God wants for me. How are we supposed to tackle issues like this? Reverend and Mrs., if you can help us. Thank you very much for the question. Yeah, it is not a new topic. It's not a new challenge. There are so many people who are confused about the course they are doing or the field they are in and trying to make changes. I'm an example. So I started my master's in 2017. I, I have a family that is very close-knit. So two lecturers and they were always with us. And so I was imagining that if I became a lecturer, I would always be with my family. And so I don't know if that's what influenced my choice of doing a master's in child psychology. Already, I love children. I wanted to study everything about children. And so I um, topped up my undergrad psychology with child psychology. 
and I loved research and I started writing papers. But then I realized that, no, I did not love academia after all. And when you are at that point, it's a lot of confusion. It's a dilemma because you are already in the program that you thought you were going to continue the rest of your life with. Now, the first thing is to, to seek God's face, like she already said. What are you saying, Lord? What is the next step? Um, sometimes we say we pray, but then have you really spoken to the Lord about it? Because he speaks in very interesting ways. And for me, it was a dream here, an idea there, and also speaking to other people. Um, accountability partners, mentors, and so on. The worst you can do is to groan and be frustrated and sit in your one place wondering what the next step is. So please, mentorship, accountability, um, speaking to your discipleship leader, Bible study leader, whoever in church, outside of church, um, even your lecturer, um, a teacher, a trusted mentor is very very key because sometimes you know um you are in this dilemma and you are trying to figure it all by yourself and you can only see so much you know for all you know you're supposed to be in there but in another so you know branches um a tree has so many branches you're probably supposed to be in a little in your own little niche which you probably should create for yourself you know, and so speak to as many people as you can do all the research you can and be super convinced so that you don't walk away from what you really should be in. And um, yes, so for me, for example, so the end of my story now is that um, I found something close to academia. So I moved out of academia, but I found something to do at home, which is editing. And so I literally sit and I'm with all these academic papers. It's still like academia, but this is the gap that I fill, reading the papers that the lecturers and whoever are tired of. And so I get to finish it up with them. And then also doing hairstyling, which I had learned long ago. So I love what she said about um, planning your vacations. Just do everything and anything you can. Sometimes... I mean, with an university degree, you wonder, or being in the university, you wonder what you, sh you would be doing in a salon, especially starting off as like a servant, more or less. But now I'm launching my own um, natural hair um, business. So just to encourage us to explore all you can. And before you move out of what you are in, be very sure that I have to move. Thank you so much, Mrs. Reverend. Can you yes. appreciate, did you notice how lovely they look? Some of us wear the wigs and we braid our hair and we don't even look up close. So if you're clapping, please clap well. Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, just let, let me add that, you know, when she was going out for her master's, I didn't need to bear the burden of sending her money all the time. I mean, I'll be there and she says, oh, I braided someone's hair. I had this, you know, she was self-sufficient when she went, simply because during vacations, she would go to someone's salon and somebody who didn't have uh, the level of education she had then would be giving her instructions. No, don't do it this way. Do it this way. And when she went outside, she didn't struggle at all. And so please, what Mami Gezi said, make sure 
that you utilize your time. Now, let me let me just add that. What do you look out for when choosing? Um, yes, when choosing a career. Good. You know, many of us. I, l- let me start by talking about what you shouldn't look out for. What what shouldn't be your main target? You know, you can have a lot of money but never be happy or never be fulfilled, never be satisfied. Um, I came to the University of Ghana with the intention of reading medicine. We were eight in our study group. And I was the group leader. By God's grace, I was a very intelligent student back in Legon. As she said, the only university. And but when we went, we, we, were, we were preparing for the interview. Those days, you needed to do biological science. You couldn't go to medicine. It's back to that system. Oh, it's back to that system. I see. So we, we came. And, but we came in at a year when they were trying to face out the biological system. So there were our seniors who had done two years of biological science. And then we had just done one year of biological science. And they were going to pick the same number of medical students from uh, both classes. And so it was very competitive. We went for the interview and out of the eight of us, uh, seven seven of my mates actually went to the medical school. I was the only person who didn't go to the medical school. I was so heartbroken. But then I remember we were, you know, in a prayer meeting on the Sabbath field. One night... When an old man about the age of 60 years walked, we were like 500 praying on the field. She, he walked to me and said, I have a message for you. And so I walked with him and he asked, I asked him what the message was and says, God said, if you still want to be a doctor, he can make you a doctor. But he has need of you in ministry. And I was shocked because there was no way, you know, it's just like walking to, to this group and then just picking me out and telling me that. So I started praying about it. And so one of the things I noticed, and I always tell my wife that if you even give me now $1 million to go into medicine, there's no way I'll go. Because I find out that I have no passion for it. I was going into medicine because everybody was talking about becoming a doctor. You know, it will bring... Uh, some level of reputation to my family. But that's not what you look out for. What do you look out for? Something you can do even if you are not paid for it. Something you are willing to do. You know, even if no one praised you for it. Something you are willing to do. Because when you do it and you finish, you have fulfillment and you have satisfaction. That is what you should look out for in determining a career path. Okay. Thank you so much, Reverend. Can we appreciate? Yes, thank you. We are we are slowly transitioning into our next session, and we are going to be talking about relationship. Uh, Reverend, I want you to start with our part, Reverend and Mrs. Kumsin. Um, now, is it important that the career you you're in or the career you end up being in should influence who you marry? Okay, see, I mean, vibrant men and women of God. Looking into ministry, maybe you feel you can't marry a fashion designer because she's too outspoken. Or say you are in um, a business field and you want to marry someone who is in the business field. When choosing a partner in the first place, should your career 
should it be something that you consider um, as an individual now that we are really young and we are looking into growing up and entering relationships? Should that be something we look for? Should it be a key point when, when choosing a partner? Okay. I believe with all my heart it should. But let me just say that many of the relationships that start on campus will not end in marriage. Um, you know, we don't like it, but it is the truth. And I'm saying this because for many of you, if you just allow, let's say you are dating Kofi and Kofi wants somebody who would be just a housewife. That's also, you know, managing the home is also a career. Uh -huh. Full-time, you know, and we thank our mothers who stayed at home to make us who we are today. But, you know, so you made your choices. You weren't going for lectures. You weren't, you know, taking things seriously because after all, you know, as for me, I, I want to stay at home. Let me just, let me just uh, pause here. I'm sure you've heard the story of uh, the teacher who was asking the students what they will be. And Kwame stood up and said, you know, I want to own my own oil company, my own private jet, flying for holidays. And, you know, he said a whole lot of things. And the teacher told Kwame, you are not serious. So he moves to Amma and says, Amma, tell us what you want to be in future. I want to be the wife of... I want yeah. to be Kwame's wife, you know. But, you know, if you, you make the decision because Kwame wanted a housewife, or somebody will be at home, managing the home. And you end up, uh, because I've told you, most of the relationships are not going to end in marriage anyway. Uh, it, it begin, you realize you'll be, you'll be very, very bitter because you made the decisions based on that. But beyond campus, I believe that marriage is a partnership. And you should marry somebody who would align and support you in what you do? One of the problems I face in church with church members, sometimes the challenges in marriage is because they have career paths which has no intercession. And as a result, it's as if everybody is independent, everybody is doing their own thing. There is no support from one another. And so I believe that once you have determined or at a certain level, you know, this is the person I'm going to get married to. The discussion about career and other things, you know, right now, I believe that it is very important it, uh, you make it consultative because if you don't, it can pose problems in the future. Thank you so much, Reverend. Mrs., do you want to add something before we take yeah, Mrs. Casey? Maybe something really small. Um, there, are, there are things we all like and things we don't like. You know, things we can stand and things we cannot. And for example, if you, don't, if you know that you don't want to be with someone who will always be out of home, then you know that, for example, you can't marry somebody who will be working outside the country because that would affect your life that will affect your maybe your own emotional and mental health so um i mean we'll come to relationships i guess we'll talk about some of the things to consider and so on but just remember that what do you like what don't you like you know at this age we usually focus on the physical he should be this tall he she should be this big and so on but Career is also one thing you should look at. What is okay? What is not okay? If there are certain things that really peck you up, please 
think about them. Some of us have um, parents who are in certain fields that we don't appreciate because of certain things that have happened. Aside from praying about it, knowing you'll be able to manage if you get into it because you've been through it in your parents' home, I think that it's something you should really consider. Okay, thank you, thank you so much. We have so many things to talk about, so um, we'll, we'll take up the speed. But Mrs. Gaze, I want you to tackle something. Now, if an interesting question came. At this, at this stage, you have so many people liking you someone in 400 and someone in 300 i'm trying to paint the picture of so many options how do you decide on one not even at this stage but moving forward how do you decide that this is the person that i want to be with this is the you have you have too many people so many ladies that fits so many god-fearing guys out there how do you decide on one person as the person that you want to settle with Hello? Okay. So somebody doesn't want me to speak. Um, you see, if, if you focus on the relationship bit about campus life, then this becomes relevant. Seriously. Now, when you get out of campus, you would realize that you are going to be finding your partners in the most unlikely places. Very, very, I mean... Gather 50 couples and ask them how they met. First thing you get is laughter. I mean, they just look at themselves and they start laughing. And then they're like, <laughs> it's even funny. You would usually hear that. Then when they start the story, it really sure is funny. At the time, it sounded like, oh my God. But well, then it becomes very funny. When you have so many options, sometimes it is time for you to retract. And it's not just about relationships. It's about everything. Sometimes that is the time you actually have to retreat from all of that attention, especially for women, because there's a tendency that you begin to have a buffet. So Stanley looks the part, you know, so he's the one that we go out with, you know, he's just, he's cool. He looks great. I mean, he's got the shades and everything. And, um, Kwame Amponsa, his father is a construction man. So the, the door is there. So he will pay. So you get the cash from him. Somebody else makes you look like a good girl. So you come to fellowship with him. You know, so you begin to pick and pay. And before you realize, with a good girl spirit, without, and this is when you haven't got intimate with any of them, you're actually playing about four guys, technically. So sometimes you have to retreat. Now, when you begin to seriously and I like the phrase you use, not just pray, but when you begin to talk to God, and when you are talking to God, God can have a seat and you have a seat and talk to him, ask him, and let him give you visible, obvious indicators to start taking off. He will. He always comes through. Do you know why we think he doesn't? Because we are ahead of ourselves. We are in a hurry. When he has planned for six months answer, you want it in two weeks. So it won't happen. Thank you so much. If you didn't pick anything from this, ask God for a visible, obvious indicator and he will give it to you. Amen. Reverend and Mrs. Julius, now there are people that struggle with settling on religion. Is it under any circumstance, uh, some, a consideration you should make as a Christian to ever 
marry a Muslim? And it's a follow-up question to that. And if, and if you ever found yourself in a situation like that, how do you break away? How do you stand on your ground and say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to enter into this thing because the person's faith doesn't align with mine? It is not possible. It is not healthy. It is not allowed for us to date unbelievers. And God's word has made it very clear. Okay, I don't think I have to say more about that. <laughs> but if it happens that you get yoked with an unbeliever, whether maybe first you did not know, maybe the person was playing, um, was acting like a Christian, and for some reason within the relationship you found out that this person is not who he is, the first thing to do is to approach a, um, a spiritual authority or mentor and ask what to do, you know, because um, what happens is that these kinds of things are spiritual and you may try to just break off, particularly, I mean, when the person is into some form of cult or whatever, that some form of deliverance has to come through. And so if you are in such a situation, you need to seek help from a pastor or from a trusted and um, spiritual authority. Um, don't try to, to mince words. Don't try to um, engage the person. Try to explain why you can't do this and so on. They are probably likely not to listen. I mean, of course you try, but if it doesn't work, that you need to seek help right away. And don't be shy about it because the help is needed. You can get seriously entangled. And I know a student who went through that and it wasn't a nice experience at all. So open up. Okay, thank you. I, I really like Mrs. Kumsen's answer. Reverend, um, I have a question for you. Now, the 400 here might not have Frank talk again, except they do return and some of them are in relationships. I mean, people here are in relationships. People here are going to leave school. And I like the drama too. Because in the drama, we noticed something. The lady wanted more. In quote, she wanted love. My question to you is boundaries. How do you set boundaries? How, when is too much praying too much? When is holding hands too much? Should you even hug? Should I hug someone that I am in a relationship with? When is hugging wrong? And detailed things like that that people in relationships face when are we to set boundaries and how are we to do that as christians thank you so much um let me say that there are some questions where we can't give one answer fit all we are all very different i um when i was dating uh mrs i realized that when i met her and i hugged her my hormones became very aggressive. So, I spoke to her about it because so I spoke to her about it and we, we agreed that you know, in a relationship, what you consider is how to better the other person. How to build up the other person. It's one of the things we look out for. So, what will worry me? I, I must not be selfish. She must not be selfish. And so we, we then set a boundary and said, you know, because it worries you, 
let's let's find another way of expressing our affection without necessarily hugging. You know, there are some of us, you, you have the same issue as I have, but five minutes you are hugging. And when we, we finish, you can't even move. You know, it becomes very challenging. And so, based on uh, the things you struggle with, the things you can't handle, I think these are some of the things that must come into the conversation when you are talking about boundaries. And it's very important because uh, boundaries are very important in relationship. If you don't have them, you are likely to be free range and it free range animals, you know, Reverend, they are meeting very tough. I have tough. a follow-up question for yes. you. And um, when you said that it's dynamic, I didn't get one thing because maybe one person sitting and thinking, okay, Reverend said, maybe when I kiss somebody, if I don't feel anything, then I should go ahead. Um, yes, but um, my the question on boundaries is as Christians, what is a no and what is a consideration to abstain from because it might lead to something that we are abstaining from? Are there strict rules? Does it curve and bend as to how we feel? Or is, is there something that is a no? Because people think it's, it's okay. Everybody does it, so it's okay. No. So what I meant by uh, certain things uh, vary from person to person. I do not personally think that maybe you've met uh, a sister in church and you gave the Pentecostal hug. You know, there are people who say that that must not even come, you know, in a relationship. I think we, it becomes like sister, sister, uh, Bella and Destin. It, it doesn't work. People go out and go and get those things and we, we complain about it. But there are standards that we must ensure are characterizing our relationships. For example, as a Christian, sex, Outside marriage is a no-go area. And when I say this, please remember that sex does not just happen. Sex does not just happen. There are things that gradually lead to that. And for example, kissing. You know, things like that. I, I don't believe that. People tell me that, you know, it, it's just a way of expressing my affection and all that. Look, Today you may be kissing, tomorrow kissing may not do. And so you try to avoid all the things, you, you know, all the things that can make the two of you end up, you know, displeasing God in the area of sexuality, morality, and you know, things like that. We have to make sure that it doesn't characterize our Christian Thank relationships. Thank you so much, Reverend. Now we will take, we have a number of questions, but I want us to finish our discussion now, how do you recognize that you are addicted? How does a person say that I am addicted or I'm addicted to A, I'm addicted to B? How do you come to a realization of being addicted as a Christian? And how do you come out of the addiction as a Christian? You realize you are addicted when first you have this compulsive desire to satisfy that thing. And that thing can be either a behavior or a substance, a drug, or something you eat or take in. So it ranges from food to sex to um, work, even um, sleep, whatever. And so you have that desire, I must do this thing, otherwise be baby me. And, and you, you are not able to tell 
like you don't you're not able to assess the advantage or the disadvantage of it so for example you sleep so much your head hurts but you you wake up and you're like oh my bro uh, i've slept so much but i said i need more you know and and you are you are sleepy but you have slept so much and you're, you you don't see the harm that it's doing you but you you know you see the harm but you still need to do it work you work so much you don't take a break you um you just keep going addictions to substances is, is one of the most common one of the worst where you just need to take that coffee or that caffeine or that um alcohol to satisfy a need how do you break free is not the second part of the question you break free again by opening up as for all these areas it's about opening up these are social issues and thank god for the church thank god for where you are because many people don't have this open up to somebody and tell them what it is like i said earlier for another question perspective you see it this way you're not able to correctly analyze what is happening to you but somebody will say ah, did you really say you slept for 11 hours 11 you know and suddenly you are you are taken aback like actually that is wrong that is too much you know so yes open up okay Briefly. You know, uh, one of the other ways of determining whether you are addicted to something is not actually how much of the thing you take, but rather what happens when we, we withdraw that thing. Now, when you go into a beer bar and you want to know who is really addicted to the, the bottle, uh, it is not how many bottles are in front of them. It is rather you just take it away. And the person who is addicted to something cannot handle the withdrawal. Uh, even if it is uh, something very small. And so when, for example, we take your phone from you a whole day and you are, you are just restless because you must get to the phone, what is happening and things like that, I believe that you get to know you are, you are addicted to it. Thank you. We'll come back to overcoming addictions. But um, Mrs. Gizzi, back on our um, boundaries um, issue, when we were tackling boundaries, now... If you have overstepped these boundaries we talked about, you made the hug last too long and it led to one thing or another, how do you overcome it? What are practical steps we can take as Christians to overcome when we break boundaries? Or we don't even set any, so we do what we want to do. Okay, thank you. Um, before I go on, am I permitted to ask yes, the question? Yes, please, you are. Um, to ask or to answer? To ask. <laughs> Sure. Um, Reverend and Mrs., this is a Christian space, and it's one of the places where there's so much insecurity of sharing. You've spoken, and I'm sharing those thoughts with you because of our psychology background, right? But share, it should be the thing in Christendom. They are all looking at us with blank faces because I'm sure they are wondering, who the topic. How do young people in this situation handle who and how they share so that when they grow into the adult fellowship they can bond properly because that's a big thing that the church itself is facing so if you can address i'll come to that yes um, please the boundaries question that's fine see as i start as, as i sit here i have two other friends that 
when I am hard pressed, I can go to. And I advocate that every single Christian should have accountability partners. People you can trust. People you know they meet, they, they, they exist for your well-being. You know, things like that. We must all have accountability partners. We must not die alone. We must not suffer alone. And I think that right now on campus, you may have one or two, but as you grow in it, they become lifetime people in your life that you can share. My wife and I have a page consisting of only four people. Two of us and two other couple. They are our circle of friends. They are people we can share with. We can pour out our heart to and they can help us. And so it is very important. And I think uh, Mawina did make mention of a mentor. Somebody who is interested in your life to help you. We also have, you know, mentors for our marriage. And there are people we can, we can share with and things like that. So accountability partners and mentors, trustworthy people who exist for your well-being. Thank you very much. So I have a page of four people saying accountability is very serious. Now, how that relates to your question of boundaries okay. and why I asked is because you know you have crossed the line you shouldn't have. You are unable to resist the other person because of the butterflies. Who do you even talk to? How do you run away? It is about fleeing, you know. You will flee. And the fleeing does not happen physically when the danger is there. It must have happened in your mind for you to have put in place some physical measures. If you have good accountability partners in your circles or older people, you should be able to talk to them. This is what has happened. And you know, sometimes, let me tell you a bit about accountability. If Mawena and I are partners and we have accountability partners as the two of you, Mawena Odisikano, like as in the businessman in Odi, she's squandering the money. I am saying it. She's not hearing me. She's also refusing accountability to her partner. So she's there. One of these days, many better than me to start chopping the money some. At which point, Mawena will be like, oh, mommy, but oh, oh. But she can't come to you and report me. Because she has rendered that validation useless. So she can't. And that's what happens. If you are unable to account your relationship, sometimes people feel that, oh, and it's our private matter. Even in marriages, it's our private matter. When you are being advised that don't let your marriage matter go, that it doesn't mean, like you said, that die. The beautiful marriages you, you see, they take post-marriage counseling. So you started dating the individual. You have crossed a line. You are very aware because you know the principles. Talk to somebody. This is what we've done. But because you think the person will think, oh, mommy, you're a bad girl. You're not doing it. The next you know, you're having sex. Because the last time it was a French kiss. And you felt so afraid. You didn't speak up. You didn't get help. Now you're having sex. The next we know, you're graduating and you've aborted six babies. Eh, no, no, no. But these are the realities you don't want to hear in the fellowship matter. But they are the true stories. And they are the reasons we can't stand up to the people in the world. What's our difference? And a lot of them, do you know a lot of them look at us and laugh at us? Because we are not making 
them know that we are different and we are defined by the principles of Christ. So my point again, when you have crossed the boundaries, talk to somebody and get help and hold the two of you accountable. Tell another couple, in quotes, another um, group of friends or a couple of friends that are dating. When you people see that I'm on tea and Katu hours and you know that I'm visiting, please call. Because that call could be the savior. I see Reverend is calling you. You, you are, you are inching closer to the girl, and then you see Reverend's call. A big journey. Otherwise, then you need to be born again. Yeah. But yeah. account of your life to somebody more senior, more loving of you, so that you can hold yourself in a validated point. Thank yeah. you so much. I, I want us to discuss Please, practical. Just... No, still on the topic. Okay. I want us to discuss practical measures to take to set. Because you can tell me set a boundary, and I don't know if to go and say, oh, uh, don't hold me too much. It's, 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 I, I don't want to be held. People suffer with communication. So we can discuss practical, simple measures we can take when setting our boundaries to avoid. Yes, I, I just wanted to add that with this whole thing of accountability, you need to be truthful. You know, it, it is not just about, we have accountability people, but... You know, you are not truthful to them. An accountability partner is someone who can pick the, the phone, call you and ask you, uh, Mommy, where are you now? And you, are, you know that they mean well. And you are willing to testify or confess that, look, I am here and I need help. You need to be faithful about that and truthful about that. And, and, and one of the things that you would realize if you have good accountability partners, if they were my accountability partners and I went to them and said, Mommy, you said you had some $100,000 and you were going to buy a land. What happened? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I bought it. He's going to ask where the transaction documentation are. And I had to produce it. The next week, he said, oh, can you make time next Saturday? I want to go and see where the land is. That's serious accountability. Okay. So if me and my boyfriend are, you know, struggling with, okay, what are the rules and everything, beyond what I or hey, he can take. There are some things that I know. They are too close to sex to be dazzled with and to be thought about, okay, maybe this one is a Mr. A, comfortability, and Mr. B. Don't kiss. French kisses are too intimate. They are, a, they, they are arousal. Forget the Bible that you can quote 55 scriptures in, in 30 seconds. They will arouse you. Otherwise, that one will become a, a problem. I have to test you. Because it means when you marry, there will be problems. <laughs> she deals with a lot, I'm sure, in practice. <laughs> so, you would know that holding hands, that one is subjective. For some people, they are feel lesser in their palms. So, it means that in that person, in that individual, when they marry or get to a proper um, um, intimate age where they are really getting intimate with their partner, that the partner has to hold the hands. Otherwise, you can do everything. Nothing will happen. So it's a no. I know people, their sensualities are in their knees. In their, yes, very, very unusual places. So if you know that is it, if the person comes and starts, you know, holding, otherwise, me, but you hold my legs, I don't care. But for somebody, that's a big deal. But when the general things are the kisses, getting naked in front of the brother. Ah, Why? Why? No, seriously. Don't get naked in the name of me. Oh, me You know what you are doing. Don't do that. Don't get naked. And same for the guys. 
get naked in, in the presence of your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It's a no. Don't do any French kisses. Do not stay in places that are too comfortable and endearing alone for too long. You have hormones. She, like I, I don't, I don't even know how to put this. But like you're saying, you want practical, simple steps. You have answered my question. Yeah. So just don't. Um, she would consider lessons alone when we do psychology. <laughs> well, yes. But look, let's just say this word together: arousal. Arousal. I just want to Please, hear you. We are repeating the word. Arousal. Okay. Arousal. 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 It's the summary of what she has said. You know it when you get aroused. You know it when your heart is beating faster. Your blood is getting hotter. Your head is spinning. You are losing your mind. You are losing your senses. That is arousal. Whatever it is that will get you to that, just declare that it is a no-no. If you have to go and stand in the middle of a field and shout to yourself that this is arousing, this is the end of it for me, never again shout it till you hear it and ask the Lord for help. Beyond that, you know, she's talking about being naked before the other person. Now, beyond that, there's sexting. So you're not just doing it physically, but using the phone, using social media disturbing the person's mind sometimes even surprising the person with a picture of your nakedness of a part of your body and so on these things are happening and they are real and he spoke about accountability you open up and yet you are lying to the accountability partner i'm struggling with somebody right now because she opened up we had a session like this i was on the panel she opened up but she was still seeing the the boyfriend you know and now i'm like sister and she got pregnant actually you know so now how do i handle this you said you would be accountable sorry you said you would be accountable and then now you have gone behind my back how can i help you so please remember arousal anything that arouses you even if it is raising your eyebrows that is it we even we even know from the bible that jesus admonishes us that if your right hand causes you to sin then you should cut it off. So thank you so, so much. Irving, you want to add something? Yes, you know, several years ago, my head pastor told me something and it has stuck with me. He says, relationship is like an aeroplane on the runway. You know, when an aeroplane starts, it is very gradual. But as it is about to take off, it must move at a certain speed. If it doesn't take off from the runway, what will happen is that it will go and crash into the wall or it has to take off. I realize that with many of us, uh, when it comes to relationships, we accelerate things too much. Such that when it gets to a point, you must take off. You are still on the ground. And it leads to a disaster. What do I mean? You know, when a relationship starts, you note that most often, it's just a text. Maybe once a day, how are you? And then at a certain point, you end up texting, you know, for over an hour the whole day. Then as time goes on, it is a call. You can even stay on and talk from 12 to 3. And be at a certain point, 
Talking for three hours doesn't satisfy you. That's when the hugging, the touching, and the things come in. And then, at a certain point, you say, even this one is not fulfilling the, the desire in my heart. So, let's move on. And that's what happens. Please slow down the process. Slow it down. It is a boundary you must set. When things are moving too fast, slow it down. If you realize that, you know, seeing you always is beginning to affect your hormone concentration. You know, this is what will happen. Take some break. Just, just don't follow your emotions. Use your mind as well. And I think that it will slow things down and prevent some of the accidents. Can we have a round care. of applause? Yes. Thank you so much, Mrs. Gazy, Reverend and Mrs. Coombson. Now back to our addiction. We'll take one of our last questions for our discussions. I do have a number of questions that they brought to us and then we can address. These are personal concerns. For our addictions... How do you come out of it? And now you're in it. Now you are masturbating. Now you are sleeping too much. If we take your phone away, you you jump and die. How do you come out of it? And how do you maintain? Because people do come out a day or two and they go back. How do you come out and break free from an addiction? And how do you stay out of it and set yourself free? Okay, so um, I'll take I'll take the professional hike at this point. <laughs> Please seek help. And at this point, it might not be just helping the church. You're, you're looking at seeking psychological help. Okay. Again, cultural. It's a societal um, view that if I said I was seeing a psychologist, hey, I didn't, uh, I said, <laughs> it, makes, it, makes, it makes a big um, difference. But Seeing a psychologist, do you know the psychologist? We psychologists also have our psychologists. And I remember watching a movie where the African American was telling the sister that, no, please, the white people see shrinks. We black people, when we got problems, we go to church. We go sing it out, we pray it out, and if it doesn't go away, we just go again. But yeah, so we do that, and it keeps coming, but seek help. And Mawena made a very interesting point. Sometimes when we hear addiction, when somebody says addiction, all we see is white powder, green bottles, whiskey. No. The addictions of your day, of a Christian, are so scaringly horrible. Indulgence in sexual associated things. It's not even the sex itself. It's not about having the sex. It's the viewing of sexual materials, reading of sexual, listening to sexual things. It's just the whole erotic environment that gives us the kick. So please, if you feel let me give you an example of myself. Okay. I was doing a project that was keeping me up very late. What I realized was that whenever I was really done, this is like 2 a.m., before I realized it was 4.30 a.m. And whenever I took stock of my two hours post the work, in the name of I had worked so long in the day and I'm trying to catch up, I was just on my phone on social media. Literally, that's, that's all. To the point when I 4 a.m., you have to wake up at 5 a.m. again, so you, you get a roller coaster. I just told myself, I can't do this again. Okay. And again, went to an accountability partner, please, 2.30, call me if I'm so, or check me out okay. if I'm online please call me and ask me to go to bed. 
it didn't just happen. It, the calls didn't make it just go away. They don't vanish. It's not magical. You must add the discipline okay. of really wanting to. But please yeah. get help. Whatever it is, get help. Okay. If you need help, I hope you live on campus so they can run to you. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Gacy. And well, I, I, I was going to say that you need to identify and accept first of all that this I'm addicted to this. You know, sometimes you just make excuses that, oh, it's it's normal. Probably you're in a room where all of you sleep so much or all of you work so much. And so you don't realize it, but you just realize that mm, there's something wrong. Accept it at first and then run for the help. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, Reverend, I added something we can close uh Okay, can you give a round of applause for the sessions? Thank you so much for the knowledge. I hope you were writing. Um, now we are going to a different aspect, um, and we're going to answer a few um, personal questions that were brought via the links. Some of them are intertwined. Some of them we have addressed. So I'm looking through them, and I might read about two of them together, and we will see how we address them. Um, when you're led, please do so. As Okay, so I'll take the first two. This one says that, hello, I'm dating, we talked about this, but I'm still going to read it. I'm dating a Muslim guy for one year now. He really loves me and wants us to marry. I know the relationship can't go f far because I'm a Christian and I can't break up with him either because I'm scared of hurting him. I don't know how to do it. It will be so great if you can help. And the one I'll be linking to it is, how do I let this guy know that I don't like the way he touches me without offending me? Okay, so we'll take the first two questions and we move to the next. Um, let me just uh, speak to the Muslim The Muslim one, okay. You know, um, sometimes I think that the first step we took by even going into a relationship, because many of us, have been told right from the beginning that you can't date, you know, somebody outside your faith and all that. That first step was a very difficult step you took, but you've taken it. And now you are finding it difficult to come out. Now, let me just point out that the reason why we speak about not dating someone who is not a believer or a Christian is this. It has nothing to do whether they are nice or good or things like that. Look, many of the, the nicest people you meet are not Christians. Many of the nicest people, romantic people you meet, they are not Christians at all. And so the problem here is not about their niceness or things like that. There is a bigger thing. Now in my church, there are people, husbands, that on Sunday, they will come drop their wives and their children. And then they will go and sit at Logia. Drinking beer and things like that. And when they are done, they will come and pick them and send them home. Children who do not see their fathers in church. Eventually, when they grow up, they also learn that Sundays, where you need to be is at your mutual joints. You see, it is not just about you. It is about future generations. The impact of your choices with regards to who you spend life with is a transgenerational thing. 
And you have to be careful about that. Secondly, there are people in my church. I have about two people in my church who got married to Muslims. Now, there are serious issues because the guys are saying that I don't want you to take the children to church. And so the decision again is affecting their children. It's not just about you. It is more than you. And so I plead that you consider the future implications. There are even some of them that when they want to pray, they are telling them, no, you can't pray the way you pray in this house. Imagine having a husband who also lost prayer. How would they hinder you from praying? So I believe that the problem is just bigger than, is he a nice person? You know, things like that. No, it is about the future. And I, I, I still think that you should talk to someone. Uh, if you, you are here and you want to talk, we can talk about it a bit more and we'll okay. give you more guidance on how to get out. Thank you so much, Reverend. We want to take questions from the crowd too. We'll take three questions from the crowd. Um, so if you have questions and you want us, please let them be short and let them be outside what we've discussed because we've discussed a lot of things. Um, Mrs. Gacy, go ahead. Hi. One of the one of the bigger conversations is you see when you are dealing when you are go, when you go to your pastor and you are talking about the other person in a defined religion actually it's a lot easier for them to deal with. It's clear I'm I'm seeing an ekang or an ekist somebody you know they they are defined it's easier. I think the bigger problem for church ladies now. It's when the guy doesn't have any religion. Um, yes, the mother always goes to church on Sunday. Um, yeah, he comes from a place where he went to Sunday school, but he hasn't been to church since he left university. He does, he's, you don't, he's not Holy Spirit baptized. Just a woman. He's nice. He's great. He focuses on his career and everything. Those are even more dangerous for us. They are even the more dangerous ones. You, when you're dealing with a defined one, that one, you can say it's a no. But when the person doesn't have any religion, he's not a believer to or worse and has gone, make sure that you know that there's a commitment on his part to get back if he really wants to before you tie the knot. Otherwise, my dear, or, and it goes for the, for the, for the, for the gentleman too. The lady is great. She's supportive. She's, you know, we always make of, the images as if it's only the men who give us troubles, but the women too. And suddenly she's running your home. She's a homemaker, nurturing your children in ways you can't even imagine. When there's a problem, she wants to go and see some man be that's in the zongo there. That's when you're beginning, you're beginning to shiver. So please make sure that you understand what the person is believing and practicing before you get yourself into the relationship. Very important. Thank you so much. I think we can move. I have a number of questions here, but as I go through them, I realize that God being so good, we've tackled them. But I have one here, which is peculiar. It says, is it right for a lady to tell a guy she loves him and wants to start something with him? And there's an extreme question I have decided not to ask, but right, I'm, I just felt I should ask, because why would you ask this question? But someone is asking whether in marriage it is okay to have oral sex. So I want us to take these two questions 
And then by then, we will have three questions from the crowd that will answer. The first question, our panelist again, is if a lady should do the proposal. And the second question is, uh, we don't really talk about these things in, in open, but is oral sex okay in marriage? Just in case it was a married person or anybody uh, asking this question. Thank you. Okay, thank you too. So in our culture generally, it's not the woman who makes the first move. It is usually the man. Um, I think it's because we, it's a generally a patrilineal um, or a patriarchal culture, which means that men are the heads, men take the lead, men run the family. Okay, and usually the man, the man is older. Um, there are cases where they are younger. But um, is it okay? That's the question. I don't think we can say a straight yes or no. There are peculiar situations where the guy has... You, you've been seeing each other, and I mean dating, calling, talking a lot. He's a special friend, and he, he isn't saying anything. And because of the culture we are in, you as the lady is waiting. But now you're having the nudge, the edge to say something. Well, it, it doesn't have to be a proposal. I like you. I want to marry you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. It, it, if you don't want to do that, you can ask questions. What is your plan for marriage? What what is the plan for our relationship? You know, so asking questions is the safest way to go. If your parents, your family, you are used to, I mean, it's here, but out there in the West, women can make the first move and it's fine. So, I mean, if you are in a family where it's allowed and, I mean, the man will not say somewhere that she made the first move and you would be scared or all of that then it's fine you can go ahead and make the first move i don't know if someone will add something but maybe i can address the second question okay. as okay. no um if you are in doubt you know the question john the baptist sent to jesus are you the one to come or we should expect yeah, another someone else. <laughs> no you can just text it to the guy and you know brother john are you the one to come or we should expect another okay okay <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Reverend. Please, the person who asked the question, you have a, a very biblical, prophetic answer. Okay. <laughs> Mrs. Compson will take nice us to one. the... Um, is oral sex okay in a marriage relationship? Okay. So, during our counseling, we were specifically told, okay, by one counselor, that whatever you two decide and agree on, and is allowed under God is fine for you without um, comparing yourself to another couple without um, hurting the other party. Now, just as we've agreed that within a, a relationship, we make the other person better. It's the same in marriage or even more in marriage. Is the other person comfortable with it? Is the other person fine with it? If they are not, then both of you should not. Now there are, I mean, if you read about it, there are reasons why it is not approved or it is not, uh, for health reasons, acceptable. The, the mouth, um, so if you, you, you engage in oral sex 
and you take in substances from their genitals that eventually affect your body or impact your health negatively, the trouble is on you, right? More so if you are doing it often. So um, without going into much detail, because I haven't researched much into this area, I would say that first consider the other party. Um, if it is not comfortable, don't go near it. Some people have accepted that God says no, and it's not um, clearly an accepted way to go. Um, if that's for faith reasons, the other party is not comfortable, don't go for it. But consider the health implications okay. also. Um, are my questions ready? My three questions. As I'm collecting them, I found one I want us to address. My mother is treating me like a child and always controlling me everywhere. She doesn't want to understand I am growing up. Please, what should I do? Um, I'm waiting for my three questions as we okay, but we can we can um anyone Reverend and Mrs. and yes yes yes. So um, your mom is controlling you. There are lots of things that at this stage look otherwise. If you came back into Mrs. another... Mrs. Gacy, just one minute. Yeah, um, sure. Oh, you're shy of asking. Okay. So, Vice P said he'll give you papers. Um, please take them as quickly as you can and write your question. It will be anonymous and then we can address it for you. Thank you. Right. You would see the love with which your mother is, in quotes, controlling you. There are mothers that are naturally protective, overly protective. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I didn't grow up under one. So I can't naturally relate to it. Except I know people go through that. But I also know that those people grow to a certain point and see how much love was following that. Again, it will become a certain level of bother depending on whether the person asking those questions is male or female. And for the purposes of this discussion, the transcension of that, how that transcends into your marriage or relationship, relationship life. So I'm, I'm going to be thinking about it in that order and ask, um, is it about your career? Is it about the things you wear? Is it about your friendships? Is it about your, what choices? Is it because your mother keeps screaming at you for speaking to the opposite sex because she doesn't want you to be in a relationship? And as parents, especially those of us younger, I, my friends and I always start talking and saying that now I'm going to be very worried if my son is unlikely to be um, friendly with females. I'll get a bit worried. <laughs> you know, in the past, the good boys were the ones that were never seen in the company of girls. But now when your child is very opposing of the opposite sex, you should actually start asking questions. Mm. So I don't know the context in which the controlling is happening. If there were some details, it could guide this. But then generally, what I'll say is engage your mother. Ask of the concerns. Sometimes it's because she's a single parent. Okay. Sometimes it's because she's seen things that she, she could almost see you go through. And it's being protective of it. So engage her and express your concern not in the frustrated young adult way. Oh, mommy, I, I'm like, I'm fine. I said, I'm fine. No. Just let her know that you're okay. okay. And, you know, just engage. <laughs> I don't know how, how else, but yeah, mothers, 
are naturally wanting the best for their children. Thanks a lot. So if you do get a paper and you ask this question, provide some context so that we can address it. Okay. Yeah. You know, even at this age, sometimes my mom will call me and ask, have you eaten? Have you, you know? And, and yeah, what did you eat? And things like that. And I realized that mothers would always be mothers. It is most often, it is not because they want to sit on your freedom. They, they, they just want to be there. It is natural for mothers to be protective. But I think that, like she said, if you can give some context, it will help us appreciate what, what the situation is. Thank you so much. I'm waiting for my questions, but I'm also loving these ones. So I really loved someone, but for some reason we had an issue. We are trying to make things work out, but since both of us do not agree and do not love each other anymore, I want to let him go. I am a female. How do I do this aside cutting communication? Because we don't communicate anymore, but I want to. Yeah, we don't communicate anymore like that. Hold on. So she's saying she wants to let him go. She wants to, yes, dissolve the relationship completely. Aside, just not talking anymore. Okay, so they are just not talking. No, she doesn't. She used to. No more yeah. loves the person. Interesting. Um. So as mature, I, I don't know where what level the person is in now, but as we need to talk about it, as mature. Christians, I hope. <laughs> so the problem is when you decide to go off or to end a relationship and it's not clear in the other person's mind what happened. You want to leave the person in a better state than you found them or at least make it clear to the person what happened so that it's even a learning curve for them, you know. And so and for this person, love is gone She's trying to cut it off. Um, they are no longer speaking much. I, I would suggest that you arrange to meet um, as much as possible if it can be in person. Well, now everything is virtual, but then if you can meet in person rather than just send a long text or an email um, which doesn't clarify everything. Okay. Yes. Please let me add that generally if you found somebody attractive or you felt you loved someone and you went out with a person and things didn't work and all that, please don't leave an enemy. Don't make the person an enemy. Make sure that you still depart, agree to go your separate ways as friends. You know, because you never know where you meet this person. So please make sure you do not break a relationship over phone. You do not break a relationship in anger, you know, insulting each other so that when you see the person or the person sees you, they can't even help you when they need to. Make sure you end it peacefully. Okay. Mm. Okay. Now, I'll take two while I still wait for the questions. The two I'm taking together are I please teach me how to propose to a lady friend that I have known for some years. This is, this is personal. And the second one, <laughs> the second one, oh, um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just a minute. Great, I found it. So the first is teach me how to propose to a lady friend I have known for some years. And the second is does age matter in a relationship? Is it as as in is it wrong if I consider age before getting into a relationship? Okay. I think that John the Baptist's question will also work. Sister Bella, are you the one to come? Or I should expect another to work. But I, I believe that many guys hang around ladies and don't talk for a long time. And eventually, you confuse the lady. Because to the public, is as if you are dating. Because you are always in a room. Eh. You are always in a room. You are always walking around here. Why? Why you konungo kaya onswa? Oh ma, so ma. You know it doesn't help. Ladies, let me put it to you that sometimes there is a mindset you also have that says that a guy who comes to you and it is and is very plain, you know, to tell you that no, sister. You know, I've known you for some time and I find you very attractive. I see you are very spiritual. You love God. And that is also my passion. You know, and I, I feel I, when I close my eyes, I see the future with you. You know, things like that. When a guy comes and he says that you don't like it, you want them to garnish, you know, you want them to, to, to spice the thing and not go straight to the point. You know, because some of you have the idea that if a, a guy doesn't chase you for six months, you, 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 the guy, the guy is not really interested. Please, sometimes, don't make it too hard for them to propose to you. But guys, don't beat about the bush. You can say a lot of things without clearly saying what you want to say. But let me say that it is very simple. Find a lady. Don't go and propose to her after lectures. I believe that one of the, the things you can do, maybe you can take them out. Take them out. Buy them. Maybe before then you have, you know, spoken to the friend and you have, you have found out what your favorite drink or something is. So by the time you are going, you have, you make sure it will be available. You get them their favorite food, their destiny, and then you, 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 you present it to them that, you know, you are interested in them. But please, if after eating your food, they say no, or they say, give me time to think about it. Give me time to think about it. It's not a no. Please note that they also have their things. Maybe the way you feel about them is not the same. But by all means, let them know how you feel about them. Let them know why you feel the way you feel about them. And let them know that you want to spend the rest of your life with them. I'm sure okay. that they will love it. Thank you so much, Reverend. Um, the, you can also answer this, but the second one was talking about if age is, is an important factor when considering a, a relationship or a marriage relationship. Yes, um, age is important. Um, sometimes some people say it's not important, and that's usually because if God has said 
you will be with this person. It doesn't matter their age. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter. Or whatever doesn't matter. It's just God's will for you. How do you get to that point? By waiting on him. However, um, there are situations. So imagine you are um, uh, 21. I think this this is 21. Uh-huh. And the guy... <laughs> we have extremes. We yeah, have, so 17. To, I'm looking 18, at the higher... 17, and then we have 21, 22. 20, okay, so I'm looking at the 21, 22. So are about getting out of school because usually within the next two, three, four years, you'll be getting married. If he's 30, like 10 years older, 8 years older, you would realize that in situations like this, in social gatherings and so on, um, there, there might be a generational gap. So, so that's one challenge. So either if you are 10 years older as a female or you are 10 years younger, his colleagues, his, um, his friends even, what they talk about and how they reason may be so detached from you. Okay. So that's one thing and um, one major drawback when it comes to the age factor. Okay. Yeah. Normally, from what I've observed, females are emotionally mature than guys. Okay. So the guy may be 20 years and the female may be 18. And the female's emotional maturity will be at the same as the guy. So in a situation where you have a female who is maybe four years older than the guy uh, in, in a relationship, you are going to be dealing with someone who is a bit emotionally mature, and you have to take that also into consideration. Thank you, yeah. Thank you Reverend. And Mrs. Gazi, you wanted to say something. Yes, and to add that, the truth scientifically is, women get more sexually driven from age 40. By which time, if the man, so if you married a man who was 20 years older than you because you thought, you know, he's old, he's got everything, and with this 60 year old back or crowd, because at, at a point where the woman's libido is growing, okay. now the man is descending. So that's another thing that you should don't don't be don't be deceived into thinking, oh, as for a man, even when he's ninety, he can have a baby. So it means that they are sexually stronger going. If and that's why even medicinally and in the pharmaceutical um, industry, they make more um, sex-inducing medicines for men than women. Yeah, because that's where the businesses have you bothered to ask because they've got you know the need to as they grow to induce it so just be mindful and she oh, i think the age thing okay is always it, it has too many beyond the cultural thing it has too many um socio-economical issues as well and you hear people we all laugh about um, um pension babies okay. and things like that so be mindful that if you're going to have children, how old will the person be? What will the person be doing? If he doesn't have a pot of gold or some inheritance that he's going to use, your children are going to be very young in school and there won't be any active income. So just be mindful of that. But for the ladies, don't be fixated on marrying too old a person because in our minds we've been taught that when they are old, you can respect him. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, yes, my Coming. Thank you so much for bringing them. I'll read the first. I used to be in a relationship, but my friend who happens to be my praying partner actually told me that our relationship will not end well. 
So per this, my attitude changed towards her. So at the end, we had to break up. But the thing is that I haven't heard anything from God too. So now what do I, what would I do? I still love her. Here's a scenario. Your friend, his friend told him and then he broke up. But now he hasn't heard from God about the breakup. His praying friend. And he still has affection for this lady. Have we all heard of the guidance that even when an anointed prophet of God gives you a prophecy, the validation will be in a confirmation? Have we heard that? It's either to you, to another, or through another prophecy. So, my dear, this all this praying that you've been doing and that you had one message, you've acted. So, tell me, if you grew and had a job, a good earning job, you went to church one day and the prophet said you have to leave everything, what would you do? It means you're going to leave. You, we need to practice. Don't let us separate the word from our lives. It is the basis for our being and our living. So, you come to church on Sunday, you hear this about prophecy. Your friend you are praying with is giving you a word of knowledge. Train, kakra, like, do some due diligence. That's what I'll say. So if they are still having the feelings and now, you know what might happen, Reverend? He will start getting angry with the friend who gave him the word. When you see another guy with the lady, now you're like, ah, but you, if it doesn't happen and the lady finishes, she gets a very good marriage. Maybe she becomes very successful. Then you've blasted. So please, let's confirm prophecy according to the word and not just by one person's mouth is that okay yes please thank you and because my questions are coming a lot i'll read it all you want to say something yes go ahead and that's when you have questions and we say that we are starting a program at five students we will appear at five (laughs) so please in future our, 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 our facilitators were here very early. I that came in a bit late. I'm and still, okay. please. Okay, Thank you all so of much. us. Okay. Please, a word, a word of question for us. Okay, so I'm going to read them as they came. How do you keep a peaceful and friendly but distant relationship with a person after ending the relationship because you realized it wasn't God's way? That was the first. How to keep a distance. I have here... Thanks for being insightful this evening. I am very sociable and friendly. And people around me, especially my roommates, complain. Please, how do I reduce this behavior? And the second is, please, can you be in a relationship where you know your beloved's friends, but they don't know you because the person is sort of hiding you. The person you are in the relationship is keeping you. He doesn't want to show that you are their beloved. I don't know if it's a lot, so I should read the rest. I or we should take just the three. Okay, okay. So um, let me echo them again so we remember. The one I just read is about hiding the relationship and also being so sociable around your roommates. How do you adjust to that? Then I read one that says that how do you keep a peaceful but fl- friendly sorry, relationship with someone after ending the relationship because you realize it wasn't God's way? So we can address these ones and then i take my next two okay so for for the keeping the distance um i think that's when you say goodbye to somebody when you end a relationship you need to understand and define exactly what it means and one of them is that you remain two separate people in the world who are free to make your own choices 
without consulting the other person. In addition to that, the other party is free to go out with any other person in the world without consulting you or without feeling remorseful or wondering what how you would feel about it. So, and these are things that you need to sit and think about and understand so that you don't end up feeling bitter because you find that the, you hear the person is getting married and you are jealous, you know. You are not nice to the people around that person anymore. So to keep a distance, I think that, first of all, it depends on what you two have discussed. If you have agreed that you continue to be in communication, that's fine. So you continue to check on each other every month or whatever, that's fine. On your Just on your birthdays or um, Christmas time, Easter, that's fine. So the best is as much as possible, reduce... The, the the chatting, reduce the communication, reduce the phone calls so that um, you have agreed that it's not God's will and so you don't want to get back into what you know perfectly well was not God's will for you and also disturbing the other person's mind. You know, that's the other thing. Um, there okay. was this um, so you answered the one about how... Keeping to, a distance. Okay, yes. yes. The, the next two are Sociable. how to... Um, yes, how to reduce your overly friendly or social sociable behavior. Behavior. It's personality. If that's how you are and that's how you've been, then that's how <laughs> you'll continue to be. But if it's affecting people, it means the problem is not in the personality or who you are, but in the expression of it, you know. And so you need to find out what are the specific things you do that affect the other people. And you should be able to track it. So for a week, just sit down with yourself. After Monday, see what are the ways, what are the different ways I offended the person? What started it? What, um, at what point did I even realize that I had done something wrong? And what was my reaction to it? You know, sometimes you realize it, but you brush it off. Because that's how you are, you know. So once you have noted and tracked the way it happens then you start to deal with how you express that personality so that you don't start feeling bad for how God actually made you. There are people who are supposed to carry the whole show. <laughs> Otherwise, those who are very quiet will, will spoil the program or will spoil the show. So God has made us all uniquely different. And I pray that, yes, you are here. So I pray that you understand your identity in Christ, number one, and you accept who he made you to be and love it, you know, and then just watch out for the ways in which um, you go wrong. Peter, Simon Peter is coming to mind. Very aggressive, you know. But he, he went overboard when he told Jesus that even if everybody deserted him, he would stand with him. You know, he believed in himself too much. So, so that's where the, the cons or the, the negative aspects of our personality comes in. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the very last one. Please, can you be in a relationship where you know your beloved's friends, but they don't know you in a way that, like, he's hiding you, like, he's keeping you, and, yeah, he's not showing you to anybody, so you don't know anybody from his, from his side. Okay, so, the first thing is, do you know that there are people who do not want to be known by their partner's people? So, if that is a value you hold, that I need to be known by your people, 
then why are you in that relationship in the first place? That's my question. Have you expressed it as a concern to the partner? If you have not spoken about it yet, in his mind, it's fine. And he will continue to hide you. Third question, why is he hiding you? Why? I love you. I adore you. I really enjoy being with you. But in the meantime, I can't show you to anybody else. That sounds like a very strange contrast. So, there's a reason he's not showing you off. That must begin the conversation. That must initiate your thinking and what else you have to do. I'd say you need one-on-one on this because I'd really love to ask a couple more questions. That'll be very personal. And by the time we are done with the sixth question, we'll be headed somewhere. And she probably knows the answer why this man is hiding. This gentleman is hiding here. But she's playing, you know, blind to it because it's suiting her now. But if it's worrisome, I'd, I'd like to help if the person can reach so, out yeah, later. Yeah, you have a, a chance to meet Mrs. Gazy after this to, to talk. Um, in fact, I, I, we needed to stop one marriage in church because this was actually something happening. The, the lady had introduced the guy to his, uh, her family. They knew her, their sisters could call him, and, but they didn't know anybody from the other side. And I said, look, this is not <laughs> very good. Somebody who wants to, you know, things you love, you show, you show them off. How come? So eventually when we found out, we realized that the family had actually uh, were trying to give another lady to this guy. And then this gentleman is interested in this lady. So he, he, he didn't want to let anybody know about her. So, like we said, uh, uh, Miss Gazy said, Mrs. Gazy said, please make sure that you you see her so that you can talk through it. It may be for your own good. Okay, I can take my two last questions I have here. The first is, how will God forgive you and your partner? I don't know if it's me. I mean, personal to the person, if they have engaged in sexual activities. And the second is. Can an individual get to the point where they completely lose their emotions? As in, you really don't feel sad anymore or you don't feel affection towards anyone. Can an individual get to a point? So that's the second. The first is, how would God forgive you and your partner when you engage in sexual activities? Let me start from the second one. Um, You're not feeling any affection anymore. Is it possible to get to that point? Look, uh, we are dealing with a case right now. This lady was dating someone. And then after a, a period, the guy got interested in the lady's friend. And so their relationship ended. And the guy currently is dating the lady's friend. And it has affected the lady so much such that she has decided marriage is not for her. In fact, the reason this case came to me was because on two occasions, people I knew had approached her and she's decided that marriage is not part of her life. She's been so heartbroken and disappointed that 
she doesn't think she can ever give her heart to a guy. So you can get to that point. You can get to that point. And so let me just offer you this advice. Guys and ladies. Relationship is for mature people. Don't go and temper with someone's heart. Carelessly. Injure them because the effect can be for life. And please just make sure that you don't give your heart to someone who just mess up with it and run away. This guy is happy to go on with another relationship and here is this lady who is, who is, who is affected. I don't know what will happen later, but I am praying that she would come back. Uh, uh, so it is very possible. And then our second is how God, how would God forgive after, if you do engage in sexual activities now outside the confines of a marriage relationship? How would God forgive? I, I don't know whether we are... See whether, yes, whether or not God forgives. God forgives. God forgives. But the consequences, the repercussions may live with you forever. So, don't, don't just delight in God will forgive me if I do it or I've done it. God will forgive you. But you know, sometimes the consequences, the repercussions. Again, I've had situations where people have called off weddings because they found out that the person they were going to get married to has a child somewhere and they, they didn't know. People come around and they move away because in your past relationship, you know, with this whole idea, God has forgiven you. True. But men may not forgive you and the consequences may live with you. And so, in making certain decisions, be careful and make sure that you don't just say, I will have forgiveness and that's okay. Uh, you may not be able to bear the consequences. Yeah. Can we give a round of applause to our esteemed panelists? It's been an amazing evening and God bless you so, so much. I have sitting here, I have learned a lot. I have learned a lot. Okay, so all too soon, we've come to the end of our panel discussions. And we'll give another round of applause as we kindly step down um, to the panelists. Thank you so much.